Eat up with tax, don't know what to do. The Bryson's are here for you. We know every tip and trick. The serious tax talk with the Louisiana twist. Hello and welcome back. For another episode of Talking Tax, Carrie and Angie Bryson here today on a beautiful day outside. And we're going to talk today about a topic that not a lot of people like to talk about, always relevant. Today, we're going to talk about what the IRS does or what they can do to you when you have a tax problem. And mainly that's liens and levies, the difference between the two and what each one means. A lot of people confuse them, even professionals. Yes. Yes. I must confess that Angie and I went elk hunting last week and I still have elk hunting on the mind. So if anyone. Why don't you tell um, everybody about your elk? No, I don't really want to tell this them. This is bucket list. You item. just want me to tell them that you shot the larger elk. That's all. I know. Okay. For elk hunters out there, five by five was on my list. I'm not going to tell you about mine then. I just say I, I, I tagged. One, I tagged. Yes. Yes. I did tag. And it wasn't a female. Focus. Let's go. Sorry about that. Back, back <laughs> to work. All right. The IRS, like I said, they can do a lien or a levy. And I tell you, I'm going to talk about, I guess we should talk about liens first. So yeah. you want to take the federal tax liens and tell us about it and what it is and what it's not when it arises and when it doesn't and all that good stuff? Well, a lien is an actual, the passive way for the IRS to secure its position as a creditor against the taxpayer, basically. It's like to create the analogy of a mortgage. Although you're not giving it to someone, they're just taking it essentially. When you owe taxes, basically, the IRS has a lien rights as soon as the taxes become unpaid, essentially, once the notices go out and they're not paid. But if it goes on for a long period of time, and long is relative, right? Because we really have no predictability about when, they're very haphazard about when they file the notices. But if it, the taxes go unpaid, then the lien arises, and if they keep going unpaid, like I said, they'll file it what's called a notice of federal tax lien, and that's what sort of triggers all kinds of things. But that's filed by the IRS in the local courthouse where they know you have property. It can be at multiple places. It can be multiple parishes or counties, depending on which state you live in. And they typically don't execute on those liens, but they can. Once the lien is filed, they've got a security interest against your property and they can seize it and sell it if they want to. The biggest thing is it keeps you from have, being able to sell your immovable property and other property without dealing with the lien. For example, if you have a house and you want to sell it, you've got to give the proceeds or make arrangements with the IRS. Otherwise, pretty hard to do to deal with the lien. You've got to pay it off or or handle it some other way. I think the big thing about that, the lien that I think people have the misconception about is that it automatically arises. That as soon as the taxes are assessed, the IRS sends a notice of demand, uh, for payment. And once that payment is not met, Boom. the lien is there. Even though the IRS has not filed formally the notice of federal tax lien, which is for the third part, but it's between you and the IRS, that lien is there. And then once the lien is there, then that enables the IRS to levy because they have to have the lien no, and then levy. levy. They can well, levy yeah, after yeah. the lien. I understand. So ultimately, though, the lien is quick. And uh, 
an important point you made was that it was passive. It's right. not active. It's just going to sit in the courthouse. Now it kind of, it, it does interrupt your commerce and your behavior a little bit, because if you go to buy something in the banks or whatever, have to ch check the records, well, they're going to see the lien, even though it could be in a different parish, it may not affect the property you're buying. They're right. going to see it. And, and the bank's going to get a little skittish on that because they then going to know about the, about that you have a tax liability out there. Yeah. It's designed to force you to deal with your tax issues. Yes. And very passive. the IRS as a creditor. And I will add from our perspective, because a lot of people will come in and say, oh, I have a lien on my property. I want it off. Well, the lien is going to be on the property. Once it's there, the lien is there until the taxes are paid. It's very difficult to get it off uh, unless you, as part of a deal, you get it off and you swap property, you trade property for it. Are you full pay? Of course, if you pay it, you can get it all. Yeah, even that is uh, sometimes a challenge. Yes, though. but even yeah. getting them into a resolution plan doesn't remove the lien. The it's lien an offer and the taxes are And settled. once it's paid in, right. in the years, the, the, the requisite time passes. So it's not an immediate thing. Once the lien is happens, it happens. Well, also, the other thing is, again, back to, we, we don't know. The IRS is not very good at systematically filing their, its liens. You may have a lien for one tax period, but owe for others. And so there's some strategy sometimes with paying off that one period and having the lien removed and some things that can happen. The other thing is just because you're in a plan doesn't mean they won't file a lien. In Correct. fact, sometimes the plans that we, that's part of their process to perfect a payment It'll plan and then as part of that. They It'll trigger it with It'll the lien. actually yeah. trigger. You'll right. contact the IRS and they'll realize there's no lien and that'll right. trigger the filing of the lien. I'm thinking of one particular case I worked on where the client was really wanted a payment plan, but they did not want it a lien. So the strategy shifted once we understood that they were very adverse to the lien filing because if I had put that client in a payment plan, a lien would have been filed. So we, we altered the strategy and we made some voluntary payments and did some things to, to get them under the IRS's radar. And the particular case I'm thinking of, it's actually still, still, we're still working with the client on that. I guess the outcome goal for the client is pretty important. Yeah, you know, if you is. don't want to leave, be careful what you ask for yeah, in terms that, of resolution. That pre COVID. It's hard to run, depending on, I might say, oh, and how long are they going to make these voluntary payments for that? That that's difficult. I was, you were just, probably just taking advantage of the IRS COVID pause, basically. But that's pretty much it with liens. The majority of people that we come across in our practice are going to have a lien file. And it, there's no, well, like you said, filed. there's no, there's no systematic way. We've had people that have had taxes and owe a lot of money and they won't have a lien file for whatever reason. And we have people who very little have one year tax liability and they have a lien file. Yeah. So it really makes no sense. There's no logic behind whether no. they file a lien or not, but I would just add the majority of cases are going to have a lien file pretty quickly. Right. Because a lien's filed by the computer. I don't know if even a human has to be involved. Well, a revenue officer can perfect a lien, but I think the IRS yeah. computer pretty much files the liens pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
Okay. That's about liens. So let's move on to levies because that's really the scary one. Yeah. And that's really the teeth. Although lien does have its power, whatever it is, that's sure. passive way. Yeah. But the levy is not passive. There then once levies happen, certain things have had to happen. We could go through all those as well. But that, that, the IRS is uh, serious. serious and getting to the end of its rope there. Yeah. Uh, getting, you know, the delay, something's either the statutes are running or the IRS is just ready to collect the tax. Yeah. And he's involved. What's the levies are issued? So what happens, what has to happen before they can levy your bank account or take a bank account? What are the Several notices go out. There, There's a series of, I think we have the numbers in the slideshow, but a series of notices go out. So they've tried in their minds to get the taxpayer's attention. And they're at the end of that notice series. And it, they come, a couple of them come certified mail. And then you'll get last one, which is really the one that, that we look at for when we're evaluating a case is the final notice of intent to levy. And that's the one that gives the taxpayer appeal rights. So if someone comes into our office, a, a new client, or while we're monitoring a case or working on it, and we get that final notice, we, you've got 30 days to appeal it, yes. keep you out of levy risk, basically. And once we do that, then, you know, we can resolve the case with appeals and hire folks in the IRS hierarchy, and they have more authority. If you get past that point, you're at risk for levy. So those notices have gone out. You've gotten certified letters. You've not appealed the final notice. Then, you know, you're at risk. So, so I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you to explain it. On the final notice, once it's issued, it doesn't expire. So it lasts a long, yeah. uh, it could be years later and they don't have to give you any notice. So once that's issued, there's They've 30 days to stuff. appeal it. The appellate delays have run. Uh, we've had them sit for two or three years and then oh, all of a sudden that. Yeah. clients call and say, yeah. I got a levy. Yeah. And you know, have you got any letters? No, I haven't gotten the letter. Oh, that's been years ago. It, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Once that notice is issued. Now, often the IRS will send a reminder and a refresher. But they don't have to. They often will. That's right. So, and oftentimes there's a series of letters that that are uh, that that are in this. But they all they don't have to issue the series of letters. They only have to issue the first one, which is the demand for payment right after the tax is assessed, and the last one, which is the final notice of intent to levy. And that letter is the one that gives you your appellate rights and explains your appellate rights. They are required. They're required by statute to give that notice. And those are the only two. So you can't argue that there was a defect in all of the other notices that you got or anything. But if you didn't get that notice, then there is a defect that that's you That's a very hard thing to prove. Though. Very hard. Going to the last because, known address. Yeah. Right. And that's the last address on the tax return. And it has to be sent by certified mail. But the IRS's certified mail is a little bit different than what we understand as certified mail. It's just a little green thing on top of the envelope that says certified mail. You just throw it in your mailbox at the last known address. So it's not like you have to sign for the card or do anything like true certified mail. They have a special, and the rule is, unlike in any other area of law, the notice provision is effective upon mailing a notice, not receiving the notice. 
in all other areas of, of practice, but we have to prove receipt. receipt. They have to prove that they received the notice. This doesn't have to prove receipt. They just have to prove that they mailed at the last address. So that's, there, that's, that's, know, it's really many, unfair, but that's but, the way it is. Yeah, practically never had a case where we were able to convince the IRS that the taxpayer didn't have proper notice. I, I know it not happens, worse. but it's a very yeah. difficult. And usually it's just, what are you doing? You're just You're delaying wasting time. Yeah. Cause they just going to issue another notice. So you probably, if you have time now, maybe I've argued, we went back maybe a couple of years when one and said it was an improper notice or something like that. But if you have time to file the, uh, the, uh, and are to react to the notice before they start levying, then usually that's the better that's a better case. Because yeah. if not, you're just going to waste a lot of time and money and effort arguing defect in notice, which is really going to not get you anywhere. It's a really steep hill to climb. Yeah, it's Being better. To, you back to elk hunting? Steep hills to climb. It was very, they were very steep. Mountains. Yes. yes, literally. Yeah. There's not a lot of mountains in Louisiana, so I don't think we were really prepared. Uh, for what we were doing. A nice doing. analogy. Yeah. 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 Good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Actually, so it, was a, it was a week ago today that I tagged. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I know you, you went first. I know you had already got the larger one. I Gentlemanly thing. It was the last day of the hunt. I had to make sure that I tagged. Any other excuses? I'm we grateful. Didn't yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to work. Okay. So the levies. And I would also point out that levy, that's a general term that we're talking about now, specifics, because there's, I divide them up into one-time levy and continuous levy, but it's commonly referred to as bank levies and wage garnishments and things like that. Right. But so what's the difference between the one-time levy and the continuous levy or, or bank levy and Just wage that. garnishment? Yeah, that, that pretty much says it there. Bank levies are um, a one-time, one-time deal. So the, as soon as the bank gets notice of the levy, it's they're supposed to put a hold on the accounts for the taxpayer on the day of receipt. So whatever's in the account on that day is what gets held. Now, if you make deposits after that, they're not supposed to hold that. And that it gets murky often times well, yeah. where the banks are, they're not scared of the IRS, obviously. So they'll hold everything. But it, a good bank knows that whatever was in the bank account on that day, the date of receipt and at that time was is what's supposed to be held for 21 days, which gives the taxpayer time to appeal and have the levy released and some negotiation, which happens. We, we do that mm -hmm. with lots of our clients. But if the 21 days pass, then that money gets sent to the IRS. Yeah. And in the hold, I would add, just to clarify, the hold is up to the amount of the levy. So if you have more in the Correct. bank than what the liability is and the levy is, then, uh, then the overage is, which is rare, but the overage the flip side is, of that is if there's nothing in the bank, there's nothing, nothing in the bank. That's what they get. And you right. can deposit a million dollars the next day and it's technically not supposed to be held or part of the levy. It doesn't close the bank account down. It doesn't do anything, right. but I would say some of the banks. I don't think we want to mention any of them, but some of the banks confuse this and will basically just hold everything that's deposited uh, for the 21 days, which is not correct. And of course, the IRS is not going to complain because they just got to sit there and good luck getting and your money get, back right? and just get yeah. the money. So they'll never, 
unless you call them out and tell them that's not correct. And uh, they have before notified the bank that they only ha- they're only allowed to hold uh, what was in the account at the time that they received the note. Right. Up to the amount of the levy. The tricky thing with bank levies, I find, is if your name is. I'm thinking of a particular case recently where the son had a tax problem and his account, his name was on the mom's account as the POA or as a joint account holder. And it was her money, not his. He's just helping to administer it. And the levy hit. And so it, it hit the mom's account. And that's a tough case. Yeah. And that Be happens. careful with that. That happens that. with elderly parents. When you're taking care of your parents, you want to put your account. But if you have a tax liability, that can create issues because then you're basically, yeah. they, the IRS could then argue that that money, you know, they could put a levy then on that account. It's hard to get it released. Because and yada when yada. they issue the levy to the bank, it doesn't specify an account. It it's just an, says any accounts in the name of so-and-so. It could be savings account, checking account, everything. Joint that, account with mama. Joint account with yeah. mom, joint account with anyone. If your name is on the account, the bank is instructed to to hold those funds, to mark them and not release them until after the 21 days. Some banks just release them immediately. They're not supposed to do that either, but they will. So they will, yeah. And I think one thing to comes to mind it relating to levies too. So I, what I see a lot is our clients, before they engage us, will have tried to solve their tax problems, called the IRS, done the right thing, quote unquote. And the first thing the IRS does when you pick up the phone to call them is start asking for your bank, your banking information. Where do you bank? Let's take a financial. Where do you work? That's their script when you call that automated collection service world. And that's how they get your banking information. Of course, they can subpoena it and do all this other I stuff, but I, typically it's they've gotten the bank account information from a taxpayer who's called to try to resolve with a payment plan and whatnot, and it just never followed through or never happened, never got approved by the IRS or whatever. Be careful when you pick up the phone to call. Make sure that process gets finished. The payment plan is in place. You're not at risk for levy anymore once you get your resolution plan. Uh, the account information typically comes from the taxpayer to the IRS because they're trying to, to solve the problems. All yeah. right. So anything else about point, the one-time but... levy? I think that's kind of, and, you know, the, the IRS. Uh, levy, right. Yeah. You know, they issue one time and then. Can do it again. They can do it again. They can do it. Every, they can do it the next day. Yeah. And it's another twenty-one day hold. They don't. And the, when they first start, they don't commonly do that. But no. I've had cases in uh-huh. the past where they'll issue one every day. Every day. Because they're waiting on a deposit to hit. So they'll levy every day until something. So the IRS has. And they has, can. It, yeah, it's within their purview. Certainly, there's no defect in procedure for them doing that. They're right. certainly entitled to do. Once they give their notice and they've done their what they need to do, they can. Yeah, I had a revenue officer levy a business that had some payroll tax issues every day. Yeah. Knowing that their accounts or their clients were going to be paid. Ready to pay. Right. Yes. So the other levy is the continuous levy. The common, the most common one, I think, is a wage garnishment. Yeah, that's the the one that's 
Yeah. And right. that one, unlike what we just talked about, the bank levies, once that one's served one time, it stays on until the IRS releases it. Yeah. So it's on. And that's every paycheck you would get from that employer until you either leave employment or it's you paid. resolve or the you taxes. Get it yeah. Or you get it released. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, and there are, I mean, not to get too granular, but there are limits limits as to what they can take on your wages. They can't take the entire paycheck. Their statutory uh, is set out by the statute how much they can take. Depends on number of dependents. Depends on dependents. Yeah. It's a formula that you'd have to calculate the amount, but. Your employer a, will get a copy of the levy and there's a worksheet on it. Yes. And it's a significant amount though. I mean, yeah, it, it makes it, to hurt a family. it definitely makes it tough if you have a family yeah. uh, to yeah. start uh, to, to take care of things. Yeah. Not something you would want to go through. It's probably better to solve the case. Yeah, um, sure. Okay. What about accounts receivable? Contractors like and accounts yeah. receivable. Accounts receivable are. They're just that. So if you have a accounts receivable, I'm assuming this is mostly businesses. I don't know if I've ever had person, an individual with accounts receivable, but the IRS will let your customers. So they'll ask for a list of your customers. They'll, and then they'll issue, I've had, you know, one client had a hundred customers and every customer got a notice of levy. And when they do that, invoices you have out to that customer for payment they, at the time it's just like the bank levy whatever's owed to the taxpayer it's, the business at that that's time that's a one time levy one time yes. levy uh, so it's a 21 day hold same deal but same it's the entire amount right and unlike a wage levy with the statutory minimums that they have to leave when it's the one time levy they get everything up to the amount of the levy and it doesn't matter if they do 100 and it's each one gets to go up to the amount of the levies. It's a broad net. Yeah. yeah. So they, they yeah. do cast a very broad net in that case. I, I think the big issue here that uh, is when you're a 1099 worker, an independent contract worker, mm -hmm. can they, I know a lot of times the IRS will try to issue a wage levy. levy. And technically they're supposed to do a one-time levy, which casts good and bad because a one-time levy, they get the entire amount of the payment. But it's over and done. They got to issue another one. Whereas the IRS will oftentimes argue that they'll issue a wage levy to an independent contractor, so they don't have to keep issuing the same levy. And I, I mean, we fought that fight a lot. A lot. Sometimes, yeah. I think the bottom line is it boils down to if it's an independent contractor that's getting the same pay every. But he's just an independent contractor, but he's getting the same payment every week or every two weeks. It's kind of, yeah, I think the IRS probably is a lot less reluctant. I think they stick to the guns. But if it's truly an independent contractor. One time. Oh, it's a one-time levy. Technically, it's supposed just to like be. Just like a customer. So, well, they'll try to skirt it and do the and do the continuous levy on the independent oh, contractor. Oh, yeah. 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 So you got to. Well, if you don't know any better, then you don't know. What are with the fight? You don't know how to fight unless, right? So it's important to to have some weapons in your arsenal. Make the distinction. Yes. So, yeah. all right. I know a common one, Ange, that I always get asked is, "What about other stuff like my IRA or my four hundred one k or my Social Security? Can they levy that? That would be yes. yes. It's always yes. All the all of the above. Yes. 
those retirement accounts are rough. They're pretty reluctant to levy a retirement account. It, it takes a lot of work. It's got to be approved by council and there's a lot of paperwork involved, but they can. Yeah, yes, they can. We've had cases where the clients wanted the levy to happen against a retirement account. We've actually requested it because it avoid, they avoided the penalty yeah, of having I, to cash it out. So if the IRS, yeah. if the, I was going to make that point, right. the IRS levies the account, right. you don't have to get the, you don't have to pay the 10% early withdrawal penalty. Yeah. I mean, I've, for some I've solved a case like that. Yeah. No, yeah no, we requested that, it. Or you go request it, say, take it out of my 401k or yeah. whatever's done. But if the IRS takes it, you don't, you avoid the penalty. Yeah. I've also had the IRS have requested it and they've told me, no, it's too much work. Yeah. They don't like doing go it. Get it. They'd rather you go get it and pay yeah. the penalty. Right. So that's always a, yeah, pushing yeah. up. And I think people often want a common question I get too is, can they take my house? Well, wait, back to the Social Security. They can also levy Social Security. Yes, up so, to the amount, though. They don't get it There's all. a limit, yeah. Yeah, there is a statutory limit. To right, so yeah, so. that's a big one. We have several clients who... And that's a continuous levy. That, that's and, all. That's yeah, on that's until like they take it off. It's just like wages. Yeah. Yes. So the house? The house. What about the house? I, I get that all the time. Can they seize my home? And what do you say? Certainly. They can, but they rarely do. If you have second homes or third homes, then those are more than likely right. to be taken. But your home is rare. Primary residence is yeah, pretty they don't, that, secure. That create, you have to really do a lot of avoiding them. And they have to usually suspect a lot of other activities going on that you're really trying to avoid paying the tax before they take your. With the caveat, they, they can. And they will seize and sell a primary residence. Like I'm thinking of one particular client that we did a bunch of work for, and he had a really nice home and a bunch of property associated attendant to the home. Now, what they did in that case is required the property to be. Except they for the, parsed except it out, for the lot partitioned the, within reason. Yeah. It was divided. I remember uh -huh. that case. It yeah. was a divided piece and it right. was easily. Uh, it was worth a lot of money. It was easily. And he owed a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. An easy deal. They're not going to make you homeless because that's counterintuitive. We're going to make mm -hmm. you dependent on on government assistance, but to melt, pay your, that doesn't make sense. Sure, but it does happen. Yeah, and airplanes, boats. That's yeah. Motorcycles. They, they yeah. like to seize and sell luxury those. items. Uh, yeah, the luxury. Yeah, I guess that's a good way to describe they, it. What they deem luxury items, yeah. not necessarily what we would call luxury. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, I think that covers it. Is there anything else about liens and levies? I think we covered everything. Yeah. The big takeaway is a levy is an actual taking. They're going to take, yes. it's a taking. And the lien is more of a passive way for the IRS to protect its, its interest as a creditor. It's the taxpayer. So, so the question, if I'm out there, the question I would have is, how do I prevent it? And how do I prevent it? That would be the we question. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Enter into a resolution plan, whatever, something, and a payment plan, an offer, currently non-collectible stat, all yes. of the above. And I would add, you don't even have to, you know, as long as you submit a formal request for resolution, and it's not submitted solely for the, to delay the collection. Absolutely. That should suspend the collection activity until it's, until you get an 
Puts um, you out of risk. Yeah, so you should be stopped at risk. So basically, and what I tell people when they say out of prevent it is don't put your head in the sand. If, if you have an issue, deal with it. Don't ignore it. It's not going to go away. Solve it. And if you need help, get help. If you don't need help, then go solve it yourself. But either way, you have to solve the problem in, in the best way that's, that you can and what's best for you. The problem I find a lot is when people just call the IRS. First of all, they have to sit on the phone for four hours and they wait forever. But then the IRS quickly starts asking them about their bank what account and stuff. Right. And they get them into a, what I call a bad plan. Always a payment plan. Yes. Someone it's can't a payment afford. plan. It's never going to be a negotiated right. settlement or anything like that. It's right. a payment plan that someone can't afford. And I, I probably half our clients come in with the payment plan that they try to do themselves and they can't afford it. And then how they get out of it. And sometimes it's very hard to get out of them. It takes work. You've got to, now you've got to undo something that's right. been done already. And the IRS is, they're already dealing with, you did it before. Why'd you agree to, you know, this kind of stuff. You don't want to do that. You really want to understand what you're trying to do and try to get the best deal you can get the first time. Uh, but that does, that's the way to prevent it is to deal with the problem and get into resolution or at least submit a formal resolution, not on the phone. Uh, you can't just call and say, okay, I want to do this. You really need to submit something probably in writing to formalize well, or, and stop uh, it. If you're going to do it by over the phone, which is you you know, finish it, like you said, finish before. It. Yeah. you got to stay on until stay you get on it. done. Yeah. Because yeah. they'll say, oh yeah, we'll call you. Or they, the typical is call us to, back in 30 days. Or <laughs> I need to talk to my manager. Let me go see if my manager will approve this. You'll get a and letter and blah, you'll blah, blah, never hear from them. Yeah. 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 So basically, yeah, that's, we covered it. Yeah. If the IRS is, if they start coming after you, then do something. That's really, I tell people all the time, it sounds simple, but it's really, it's time to do something. If either determine initially whether you're going to do it yourself or you're going to get help. If you're going to get help, the sooner, the sooner, the better, because IRS loves to work from a position of leverage and once well, and liens are leverage. Well, that's about as the most the, leverage once, the hammer. Once yeah. they start levying, they have a leverage. Uh, it's things that, that we can do and other that you, that you can do for yourself to prevent getting in that leverage situation. Right. Uh, but if it, it happens and we deal with them all the time. But it's usually generally better to deal with the IRS when you're in a, not in a leveraged position. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. All right, then. Yeah. I think well, that covers it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, for Bryson Law Firm, we are here to help with any levy, any lien issue you have. And uh, again, as Carrie mentioned, doing something is really the best course of action to get it done. Thanks for listening up. And uh, if you have questions, always visit BrysonLawFirm.com. We're here to help you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. And if you want to talk elk hunting, just give me a call. Well, thanks, everyone. Until right. next Bye -bye. time. Bye-bye.